0: Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. We are here for episode number 51. Ooh. So close to 100.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, well, no. We're closer,
2: <laughs> closer now than we
0: were. Closer now than we've ever been. But this is Joe, and I'm joined by... Lauren. And, and We're here again. We're back. We recovered from the power hour we made it through
1: oh boy just barely
0: just barely you know i I couldn't look at another beer for 10 years but lauren was looking
2: rough after i know that yeah
1: it was it was hard
0: yeah ever since her abdomen's been really distended yeah (laughs) a little ascites (laughs) (laughs) she's just really full you might want to get that checked out yeah
2: yeah i was gonna say she was doing rough because she had to deal with us for the next
0: few hours (laughs) yeah exactly but,
2: uh, I
1: just found it comical to try to figure out like, well, wait, what number are we on? I know. We had what such a hard we time we keeping on? track.
0: Yeah. We're going to next time have to take like a tally and just mark it down. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. it's hard to multitask, I learned. Like you're talking, you're thinking about the questions we were answering.
0: And it comes so quick too. Yeah. It's just like bam, bam, bam.
2: You kind of just need somebody to be like, oh, go, go. But Yum. then yeah. also when you're doing it, you don't have to normally count. We mm-hmm. were trying to hit 50. So I think that kind of got. Yeah. Threw us off. And oh, then we ended up just doing it.
0: the whole thing anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all, all good, all good. No complaint. But we're back, we're here. Yeah, uh, you want to crack open a beer? Cracking a
2: beer. I'd love to crack a beer. Um, so nothing really new, but also this is a beer that's I
0: think seasonally an released. Release. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like
2: a yeah seasonal release from Noda in Charlotte. This is Cakes. It's their Imperial IPA. That's as you would expect from the name. It's like supposed to be like pancake maple it's or really mm-hmm. not it's just um yeah it's more hoppy than cakey
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting cuz it's got a nice uh, stack of uh, pancakes on there a little yeah. s- quintessential square of butter and some dripping syrup
2: it does have a lot of vermont maple syrup added so i think what it does is it adds a lot of that kind of like residual sugar mouthfeel and it has a little bit of sweetness to it a little bit of depth to that like malt flavor but it's it's purely hoppy to me i don't get a lot of no reminiscent flavors of pancakes so but anyway it's a really good beer oh, yeah.
0: crack
2: and i got it all over me
0: and you said imperial ipa uh definitely lives up to its uh, name because it is got 10.2 percent abv <laughs> emblazoned all over that can
2: yeah. oh yeah and it was uh maybe doing a little bit of
0: shaking on the way here <laughs> yeah maybe it was a little, a, a little foamy yeah when you opened it up it looked like it was uh gonna runeth it over
1: I swear I've had this before, but I have not checked it in on time.
0: Well, it's a seasonal. There's a new one every year too. I
1: know, but I, I went through and like looked because there's different. Like there was blueberry, double maple, bacon. Ooh. I thought I had tried one of them. That but... sounds
0: like a nice full breakfast of deliciousness.
1: Oh, I love bacon, maple bacon. That would be.
0: Even Ooh, better. smells good. It's got a thick, thick collar foam. Your yours is about half foam. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Mine's uh, got a good you know inch collar of foam on it. Yeah, Joe's
2: rocking the uh, good old tulip glass, and I'm, yeah. I'm rocking a simply uh, or Sempli. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. The IPA glass. Um, check it out, S-E-M-P-L-I, I believe yeah. is the brand name. I
0: just get a crack out of it, because that's the glass that every time we would post it on Instagram, somebody <laughs> would write on there, get a real IPA glass yeah. or something. Like, what would they... I can't remember, but it was pretty funny, but those I like glasses... Would, were... I think
2: they would tag, like, uh, Spiegel out. It's like, get a Spiegel out, like, <laughs> IPA glass, which is... Like a typical IPA yeah. glass uh, manufacturer, or like beer glass manufacturer, but this is like a modern approach to it. It has all the same ideas, yeah. of like just uh, like a geometric seat. modeling, but it's just yeah, it's it's a little bit more of like a modern aesthetic. I feel like yeah. Um, but anyways, it has the nice taper to the top for yeah.
0: Speaking of beer glasses, shout to out on. to Nick for picking up oh. and bringing over a beautiful Warsteiner Pilsner glass. Uh,
2: Someday maybe we'll be sponsored by Varsdiner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've really been we, implementing them, uh, like not on yeah. purpose, but we've really yeah. added them into the. We had plenty
0: of it for the last podcast episode, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, now I got a nice glass, got a little gold yeah. rim around it, just a, a beautiful tapered pilsner glass. The things pilsner? you find, yeah,
2: you find yeah. those at antique stores, and you're just like, I gotta buy this.
0: Yes, yes. Um, All right, let's give this a taste.
2: I also had a Varsteiner a Dunkel Ooh. recently from Driver Street. Oh, really? So I've, I've branched out just from their typical Pilsner to the uh, the Dunkel variety, which is
0: really nice. Yeah. I'm really impressed with the portfolio. That does sound good. I would not mind having one of those. Where'd you say you got it at? Jarvis? Jarvis? Yeah. Dang. We were there
2: for trivia one time, and I just was like looking in the fridge for something to to sip on, and I was like, oh, that's a Warsteiner. But it was, uh, it was in a bottle, and it was... Yeah, I think it was their Munich Dunkel, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, so pretty nice to branch out a little bit there into the Warsteiner portfolio. Yeah, yeah so, well, anyway, beer at hand. We got the hop cakes from Noda. Um, yeah, super pungent aroma of like hop character. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some like fresh hop smell. I don't think it's actually fresh hopped, but it does have. Just like an aroma of um, like a lot of fresh lupulin oil and um, extract. It's just present. I'm not getting a lot of other like malt character on the nose at
0: all. No, very aromatic for sure. It does have like a syrupy kind of a quality to the smell as well. The taste really drives that home, I think. It's like first hop, but then some like syrupy sweetness behind it. It's as big of a beer it is. It's it's quite well balanced, I mean, as balanced as yeah. like huge flavors of of sweet malty, sugary character with big aggressive hops, and the bitterness, like the perceived bitterness, is not super high on this.
2: No, yeah, because I think the hop character kind of lends itself more to, um, it's a it's a bit I would say like vegetal, but it's not like a it's not a resinous piney hop character, which tends to be a little more bitter. I think it's just kind of like a bit grassy, a bit vegetal, yeah. but floral too. Like floral notes that kind of tend to be a little lighter. And I think yeah, like you said, with the sweetness from the the syrup and the malt, it's balanced out and it's kind of washed away at the end, so you don't leave that with a bitter finish. It's um, kind of washes out with the the balance from those other other notes.
0: Yeah, enjoying this. I you know I don't I don't know if I've got it when it's like, freshly released for the year.
1: But. You, um, I can tell you the last time that you had it um, was at Tapped on March 14th of 2021?
0: 2021.
1: 2021? Yeah. Nick, Dang. you um, also were at Tapped that same day and also enjoyed wow. the hotcakes.
0: <laughs> nice. You know what it was? I
2: think we were there in Savannah, who's one of the servicers. Yes. She said, oh, we've got some... Hopcakes you better get some before it's gone cuz it really is a a hot seller. Um shout out to Jen's parents if you're listening. Um, <laughs> they picked up some hopcakes along with some other nice brews from a uh a little beer expo or a little like sip like, I don't know if it was a a beer tasting event per se but they had mm. like four packs to go of a few different local brews and also some uh things from like New Jersey from out of state. So, oh, cool. Got some hopcakes which was very cool, because it's been a while since I've had some, but uh, always nice to revisit. Um, you know, it's funny, actually, on the can it says uh, that the hops are citrusy, resinous flavors, <laughs> which I said I didn't taste at all. Flavors. So, you know, teach each their own, but...
0: Yeah. But cool, Beer yeah. Expo. So, I guess, speaking of a beer expo, we've got some local-ish events going on. Actually, we do have a local event going on here. I just remembered that Dickinson Ave After Dark... Coming is up. coming up yeah. March twenty fourth. So for everybody that's outside of the area, that's a a local little night street festival uh, that goes on here in Greenville. And actually, we get some good brewer representation from not only the immediate area, but actually a lot of coastal breweries as well. I know that, like you know, Shortways been out. Who else has gone out there? I mean, quite a few. Yeah.
2: A couple of new, newer places, I think, or smaller places have been out. I know over the last one, one of my uh, big surprise favorites was Seven Seas from Elizabeth mm. City. Yeah. Um, they've been really trying to make their way down here. They've got some of their cans into the local bottle shops, and they make some pretty good beer.
0: Yeah, so that's always kind of a, a neat little festival that we've gone to. They've got a lot of food trucks, got some other things going on there as well. Uh, so... If you're in the area, might as well stop by, check it out, get some drink tickets. When is that? March 24th, according to, to Facebook.
1: Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I'll have to make sure I... Uh...
1: 217 Brew Works, Third Rock Brewing Company, Duck Rabbit, Koi Pond, Mother Earth, Pit Street, Quick Trigger Brewing Company, Tarboro Brewing Company, Trollingwood, Wood, Tap Room and Brewery.
0: Yeah, they still do a little bit of uh, independent brewing. Because oh, remember, they're true. always there with the Skullville. Oh, that, yeah. To, uh, what's a uh, quick trigger? I've not heard of that before, honestly. I don't know
2: either. Quick trigger, huh?
0: Well, yeah, well, cool. So, so I guess it's some new, there's some yeah unique some smaller things. things there too. Nothing really from the Raleigh area though, right? We got some Rocky Mount representation with Koi Pond. Haven't been there in a while. Need to go back. That's a good yeah. place.
2: Yeah, the whole Mills area because now they've got the tap room for Spaceway there. Yeah, um, Mythic's popped up there. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a nice cool spot. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: been way too long since we've gone there. But yeah, so there's that, and then you you were talking about Brugaloo a little bit earlier yeah. off air.
2: Yeah, um, never been actually, so that's one event that we we talked about on a, an episode a few weeks back, I think. Uh, seems like Joe may not be available, neither will Lauren, but I'm hoping to go. Uh, I think Jen and I might volunteer. So, if it is
0: that second weekend, though, I definitely would go. Volunteering would be sweet. Like, yeah. What do, what do I do?
2: Yeah, because, I mean, go out there for the day, go there in the morning. They need people to help set up and um, get stuff ready for the day. You also can volunteer during the event, uh, doing things like you know, changing water stations or maybe helping pour at some stations. They said the duties kind of vary, and you can't really guarantee you'll get the job you want, but um, they'll try to place people where they're best suited. But uh, we thought about going there in the morning on Saturday for the— The big event, they have a two-day thing where Friday is the block party for four hours from 6 to 10. Um, Just kind of a big, I don't say party, but um, it's a paid entry thing. You get a wristband. You kind of get in there and sample. Saturday is from 2 to 10, and you buy tickets for samples or for pints. So by participating in the uh, volunteer program, you get... Uh, tickets to the event The event's free on Saturday Free to the public But you do have to pay For the drinks that you consume And the food So mm-hmm. you get 15 drink tickets If you volunteer Which honestly That's 15 3 ounce pours Or yeah. however many pints That it comes out to be um, So that's a pretty good deal And then you just uh, Work for a few hours Get some beers afterwards Head back home
0: Yeah Just shy of 3 pints Not a bad Saturday you know, Yeah looking, looking, That sounds great uh, you say you get half yeah, off so. for the NC Hops Fest as well, yeah. right? Which is more of your traditional free for all beer fest. <laughs> I think uh, Brugle is kind of cool because it's you know that block party aspect, but then also like the openness of it. Like, hey, we're here. You buy drink tickets, versus <laughs> you know the the NC Hops Fest or other festivals that we had when we used to have the Jolly Skull here in Greenville. Uh, you know, you get that wristband and it's like, all right, you got four hours or three hours, like. <laughs> go ham and then that usually ends in some poor results so i think that's why they stopped doing the (laughs) jolly skull yeah uh too bad because that was a a good time um but
2: yeah and uh the broogaloo fest is known to be the biggest beer festival in north carolina this is their 11th year um so yeah so again the uh, the dates are the 21st and 22nd of april uh friday being the block party uh paid entry but it's unlimited samples of 50 different beers uh 50 plus probably And then Saturday is the all-day event where you get in for free, buy your tickets, and um, there's over 100 different North Carolina breweries in attendance. So lots of different options. They said usually they get around 40,000-plus people in attendance in in past years. So it's a big, big event. They shut down streets in Raleigh to, like, accommodate for Mm -hmm. all these vendors. Lots of food trucks. So definitely be worth checking out. I think volunteering also would be a nice way to kind of –
0: Get an insight on it. Yeah.
2: Contribute a little bit. And also, if you don't go to the block party, you can kind of pace yourself for a few hours, sample sparingly, and then still make it home in one piece. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, Raleigh's not a, a short drive, N- nor, nor should you drive intoxicated. After in anything, any distance, yeah. yeah. But, um, that's so yeah. what
0: you got to say the old octagonal Holiday Inn. <laughs> yeah. There's a hotel that's it's shaped in a very interesting octagon tower. You know, and last time where when did we go there and somebody's like, Oh yeah, they tore that down.
2: Oh yeah, we were going for a but concert. It
0: was clearly still there because we stayed there. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know which hotel they were thinking of. Yeah, yeah. I
0: don't know. A little um, faithful right in the middle of downtown.
2: Oh, it's perfect, yeah. Yeah. So uh but anyway, yeah, so that's coming up in April and then yeah, Hops Fest T V D. Probably in June, if I had to guess. That's where last year I think it was in June. And then two years ago I think it was also in June. So yeah, we're getting into, uh, like, beer festival season, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, and it's always a good time to support your local brewery. You know, kind of leading us into our, our topic here of <laughs> of local brews and some news of beer breweries shutting down after big beer acquisitions. Uh, you know, oh, big beer, big, big beer. beer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you've... Follow the craft beer news at all, or you know, any sort of craft beer things, or follow any accounts online. Uh, you've probably heard that Platform Brewing, which is was acquired by AB InBev or Anheuser-Busch in the US, and they were closed recently. Uh, what date actually did they announce it?
2: Um, I think it was about a week ago. Uh, if I remember.
0: Yeah, so they so AB and Bev acquired them in 2019, uh, and this beer, this brewery's in in Cleveland, uh, and AB and Bev acquired it, and then now just you know four short years later, they're closing it. The thing about this though is that they're still using the brand, and they're still continuing the brand on by producing you know the the brewery's three flagship IPAs at a separate point. So it's basically just going to be a name live along in in name only mm-hmm. so brewery tap rooms getting closed employees going away but uh, they're just going to absorb the brand and it's going to live on as a couple of ipas <laughs> yeah
1: hmm. so i find it interesting when like companies acquire smaller companies um that is there a plan in place for those employees that are being offset for those jobs and positions? Like does Anheuser-Busch find a place for them elsewhere?
0: Well, I don't know. I think they're very vague. You know, this article from justdrinks.com had a few quotes from the representatives and they said, unfortunately a number of employees were impacted and we're going to assist them through this transition. We continue to be thankful for their contributions to platform during their time here. So it doesn't forebode well yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully they have somewhere to go and maybe some relocation. Because, I mean, it can't be that many employees with such a vast network of AB Bev. You'd think they'd be able to help them oh, out with yeah. that. But
2: Well, and Platform in particular, they had multiple locations. You know, they, they started in Cleveland, I think. But then they had expanded some tap rooms to Columbus and another city in maybe Cincinnati and Ohio. So they really were a fast growing brewery cuz they actually started I think in only like 2015 2016 and then a few short years later were purchased by AB InBev. So they kind of took off and then you know I think that kind of that kind of brings a lot of or raises a lot of eyebrows when you realize mm-hmm. you know from the day they opened the doors to fast forward 3 years they were on the radar of a big company like Anheuser bush to get bought out but then three years after that they're now closing down yeah. all their tap rooms and brew houses and distribution warehouses and they're just going to live on as essentially an, an idea or like a yeah. a namesake on a can but there's no real physical presence anymore and, mm-hmm. and they were from what i understand a really big uh business in cleveland i mean downtown they kind of were uh, a big hub for craft beer for the craft beer scene in that area. So, not really the same uh, when you're just uh, a can on a shelf, and there's nowhere to really yeah. call it home after that, or to link it back to a uh, you know brick and mortar.
0: Yeah, you don't have the people behind it making it anymore. Because you know, even though even if like you lose the craft label because you are you know now owned either majority stake or somewhat by a large brewery, a lot of times it's still that you know, the brewery actually making beer. It's just owned by the company, but now it's totally just loses that whole connection and then becomes not synonymous, but just, you know, similar to like shock top (laughs) or something of that, you know, nature. Like it's a brand that's owned by AB InBev. And it's kind of what you fear when we talk about this whole brewery acquisition piece with like big beer companies buying out craft breweries Because it's pretty much them just saying, okay, we've now acquired more shelf space because we can sit on the craft section, you know. And especially this, like, there's not even a brewery behind it anymore. It's just going to be made on, you know, with Anheuser-Busch's equipment, with their staff, according to some recipes. And it's going to live on as three IPAs, as Hayes-Jude IPA, Odd Future Imperial IPA, and our new Canalway IPA. I think that was just saying our new. I think it's just going to be Canal Way. <laughs> but uh, still, it's it's the brewery is reduced to that and it's just probably going to steal some shelf space from actual craft breweries now.
2: Yeah, and that might not be that big of a hit for AB Bev because they're now no longer having the cost of the labor for those employees at those various locations. They don't have overhead costs for operating in... Uh, maintaining those buildings, those places where the distribution center was, where the tap room and the brew house was. So now they are just going to produce these at another facility that's already up and running and already mm-hmm. producing beer. Um, and so they're still going to sell beer under that brand, but not have the other costs. You know, it, it probably ends up not being a, a bad business decision for them to do that. Um, but it does definitely hurt the reputation of the, the brand itself, which, you know... You have to wonder how the, the, the original founders of platform are feeling in this moment. You know, they probably get a pretty good deal out of the acquisition, but, um, that was, you know, their, their baby that they, you know, they devised this plan and then they made it really successfully. And now to see it kind of dwindle away over a span of three years must be probably still pretty upsetting, even though you're out yeah. of the picture for all intents and purposes.
0: Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting scenario and it's got a lot of people talking just because I think it represents the idea that it's volatile and, you know, big beer is going to be big beer and that sort of insidious creep into the market that was predicted may actually be happening, I think. So it's just, it's crazy to one, to see how big AB InBev is, let alone just the Anheuser-Busch, like United States sector how large that is it's just there's a lot of things and looking at this topic made me you know dive into their other brands and other breweries like I know big ones that I knew about before was like Goose Island and then over in Asheville North Carolina Wicked Weed you know kind of disappointed that they were bought out from there but then there were some others that I didn't even realize had some ties so like Appalachian Mountain Brewing AMB you know, in Boone, North Carolina, right. I had just assumed that they were independent, but through some kind of back channels and other things, they they ended up being purchased and, and are now sort of through, you know, a couple layers are owned by AB InBev. So yeah. it's just interesting to, to find this stuff out.
1: So what's all involved then when a craft brewery is bought out by a macro brewer?
2: Yeah, I think that's like something that's really, uh, An interesting point that we kind of discussed off-air earlier was, you know, I think you discover all these different brands that are owned in some capacity by, you know, Big Beer or Macro Brewery, but the extent of which they have, like, I guess, ownership or control varies. Um, There's some that are, that were completely acquired and bought outright, and there's also some that just have some, like, minority stake in the small craft breweries, and so, I think that definitely influences a lot of factors. Um, one example that I was reading about was Brooklyn Brewing Company. I had no idea actually had um, been – had sold like a minority share to Kirin, which is a Japanese-based
0: beer company, yes. I believe. Kirin Ichiban. No, that's separate. Uh, so um, so they actually <laughs> purchased, I think – This isn't Stone uh, Brewing. <laughs> oh, don't so worry. Sorry. We'll, we'll so get to Stone. <laughs>
2: We'll definitely get there. Um, I was waiting to rile Lauren up with Stone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Brooklyn, actually, um, they had a deal with Kieran where I think Kieran bought about just under 25% of, like, a minority stake in Brooklyn. And ultimately, what that did was allow Brooklyn to have some capital and some ability to, to grow and expand. This, I think, took place in, like, 2016. Um, so, they had, you know, a big investor in the form of Kieran. Um a, you know, you get some some financing from mm-hmm. a, a reputable, you know, like global beer company. B, you get some additional distribution channels, yeah, uh, which I think is really helpful. And that's a and, huge thing too. Yeah, and I and then you know, C, I think you still maintain some autonomy there, I guess, because you're you're not selling your company outright. You're you're selling a share of it, um, so you're not you know you don't own it 100, percent but yeah you're um, just paying them share.
0: dividends out at the end of the year versus right. uh letting them make decisions
2: exactly and so then cuz at that point you're at the mercy of those Whatever. decisions and how that affects your long-term business model which is you know we saw with platform um the way the things went for them and that's not always the case there's there's plenty of examples of i think craft breweries that have sold to to the big beer brands and uh, you know continue to prosper I mean, Goose Island obviously is doing Mm -hmm. very well. It's in almost every grocery store. Um, I mean, places like platform just really didn't, you know, they weren't cutting it because they probably, it probably is maybe a little bit too much of an accelerated growth and they weren't able to sustain it. Plus I think at that point, you know, it seems like there were some employee just disgruntled employees there. There were some changes to the practices that um, had once been in place with the original owners. So, Factors like that can affect it, but um, anyway. So back to Brooklyn. I think that's a good example of how it's not always a bad thing. I think some elitists of craft beer might typically go to the the side of the craft breweries and independent craft breweries and think once you're bought out, you're you're a sellout, right? Like mm-hmm. you're if you're selling yourself to a, a big beer brand, you're selling out what craft beer stands for. Um, and I can kind of understand the the sentiment, but um, to some degree, I think you can find a, a healthy relationship if you're dealing with the right partner. Um, and you have sort of the same goals. And it seemed like Brooklyn and Kieran kind of found a good compromise there by uh, Brooklyn being able to really expand and um, prosper while still maintaining their own sense of identity and and not forfeiting any of those rights to Kieran by you know completely selling outright. Um, they obviously wanted to still have um, their stamp on the craft beer industry. And so what better way to get help than through a, uh, an established global distributor. So, you know, but then you get cases like stone who sold outright and people <laughs> bashed them on the internet for it because <laughs> yeah. when you claim for years that you will never sell out to big beer yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you do that exact very thing. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's
0: it's crazy. So, and then another thing I don't think we mentioned about Platform, though. So, we talked about the the layoffs with Platform, but also there was, so Platform was part of this uh, Brewers Collective or Brewers Alliance that had partnered initially with Anheuser-Busch before being completely bought out. Uh, and then actually, you know, according to a BrewBound article, there's been layoffs at other breweries within that Brewers Collective uh, as a part of this as well. So it started with Platform. They had 17 laid off last year and then the entire staff, you know, and then mm. closing that. But then they started to to close some or lay off some more, some more uh, employees at the other breweries. So they said that uh, employees were let go at Carbach Brewing, which is in Houston, Texas, the, at Blue Point Brewing, which was in, uh, Pachogue, New York. Uh, and then there's just, uh, a bunch of things. So they also own Devil's Backbone in Lexington, Virginia, that there was lay, uh, word that there was some layoffs there. Oh no. And then also maybe some at Wicked Weed as well, so.
2: That's troubling. Those are some that are like in our backyard. I mean, especially Wicked Weed, but, you know, Devil's mm. Backbone is something we see a lot of brains in the store with the, you know, vignette lager and, yeah. uh, they have another a few other popular brews that make the... And
0: they even say that Goose Island and Windwood Brewing, as well as Vesa Sur. I don't know where Vesa Sur is, but... No. Uh, interesting. You know, just the whole collective piece, which that is kind of a unique story within itself. So we were talking about Appalachian Mountain Brewing before, but they were part of that mm-hmm. Brewers Collective, which initially was like a almost... <laughs> craft beer trying to make a take at at big beer by by forming their own company so basically widmer brothers and red hook merged and then later they bought kona brewing which kona big wave i'm sure you see all over the stores uh and uh they then created their own gluten-free beer line called omission and then decided to make a cider called square mile and then this was like the the brewer's collective for a while uh at one point Appalachian you know got a partial stake or a, had a strategic partnership with that and then later they were fully acquired but then several other brands got in this same uh same thing and then ultimately leading up to several several breweries in it so we've got Ten Barrel Brewing, uh, Appalachian, Blue Point, Breckenridge, Cisco Brewers, Devil's Backbone, Elysian, Four Peaks, Golden Road, Goose Island, Carbock, uh, Omission, like we said, Platform was one of those, Red Hook, Square Mile, the Vesa Sur, Virtue Cider, Wicked Weed, Widmers, and then Winwood uh, Brewing. So, quite a big collection of yeah. craft beers that, you know, regionally you may see some More than others, but a lot of these on the list I recognize as as big brands that you're always seeing in the store, and you're like, oh, hmm, I could go with this craft beer, but little (laughs) do you know, it's 100% owned by (laughs) Anheuser-Busch. So it's like, well, that's unfortunate.
2: So my initial reaction to like reading some of these names and like hearing you talk about them is always, wow, I had no idea. Like those brands are owned by Anheuser-Busch. But then you realize, oh, yeah, that's how a brewery in Portland, Oregon is here in North Carolina because <laughs> yeah. they're working with a big distribution yeah. uh, company like AB Bev. Um,
0: and I mean, unless you're a mass craft brewery like Stone used to be, like yeah. they used to distribute all over. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, gosh, why am I blanking on the name? With the dog. Oh, Laganitas. Lagunitas, yeah. yeah. Owned uh, by Lagunitas, Yeah. They're now they're owned by Heineken, but they used to distribute like cross country mm-hmm. and things. But now the chances if it's in the grocery store and it's craft that it's not in your area, it's probably owned and getting distributed by yeah. Anheuser Busch or, you know, Miller Coors or something. It's just crazy. Uh really makes you think like you're like, oh, let me buy local or let me buy craft mm-hmm. and you're like, oh actually, I'm buying big beer yeah. still.
2: <laughs> you know, like something I I was watching some videos about uh kind of about this topic and one of the things that got brought up that I hadn't really paid much attention to, but you know that logo uh that's on a lot of packaging for craft beer for independent craft brewers yeah. it's just like the, independent the bottle logo. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. the independent that that actually I think has become like a symbol of like pride now for the independent craft brewers. Oh, that yeah. Like, we're not part of any, you know, we have nothing to do with any big beer brands. Um, and again, I think it kind of comes down to a little bit of what side of the argument you're on, mm-hmm. whether you know you think that it is um, like a badge of pride or if it's, you know, what, you know, what it stands for. But um, yeah, just, it's, it's crazy to think how hard it, it will eventually probably be to find independent craft breweries in your local stores and bought in like bottle shops. Um, maybe bottle shops more easily, yeah. but almost everything now you're going to see on the shelf in like mass markets, they're probably going to have some kind of tie or affiliation with Molson cores or ABM InBev, Oh or yeah. Heineken or Sapporo or somebody that's got, uh, that big share of a mark of the market to mm-hmm. put them on the shelf and compete with, um, they're basically competing with themselves at this point. but
0: Yeah. I mean, if I think about the grocery store, what do I see? I see Goose Island. I see Golden Road. I see Elysian. I mean, how many grocery stores have you gone to the CDC? Elysian, Space mm-hmm. Dust, you know, just all the time. So it's just funny. And then uh, you just see all this stuff and you think, okay, hmm. But it's just, it's again, it's that illusion of choice where you're yeah. like, oh, look at all these options we've I'm got. i drinking craft beer. <laughs> but then it's owned by the same parent company. And it's just crazy. So, I don't know. It's it's a lot. But then outside of this, so that's just the Craft Brew Collective, all those brewers are named. But then if you go take a step back, you know, you've got the the regular Anheuser-Busch brands, but then you step back and you look at the AB InBev brands, it's a global thing, and there are so many beers. Like, just so many companies. Like, I didn't realize that Leth was owned by them. Oh, Uh, yeah. Just, like... It's I think they crazy, bought you know? like Hogarden and things like yeah, that Hoegarden, too. Yeah, Yeah, was on There's that so list. There's so many international mm-hmm.
2: brands that you would think, oh, they're gonna have you know autonomy for their own brand because they're they're way out of reach,
0: but they're not. <laughs> as long as they don't come for Oh. Uh, <laughs> don't you touch Varshtaner? <laughs> touch. Probably already is. <laughs> um, you know,
2: actually, just I mean, just to add to the growing list of craft breweries that have been acquired by major brands. You know, what, a shocking one to me was Terrapin. Owned by Molson Coals. Or Coors. <laughs> Mo- Why do I always Cole. say Molson Coals? <laughs> uh, Coors, Molson Coors, whatever you want to call it. Miller uh, Coors? Miller Coors as well. Is what, it Molson Coors or is, is it Miller Coors? Was... There's Molson something. I thought it was Molson Coors owns Miller and Coors. Oh,
0: maybe they do. Um, Let's see.
2: Anyway. you Yeah, you can... I'm, I'm probably slightly off because I usually am. But uh, yeah, the, so the Coors, the Miller Coors, like company that owns them uh the collective group they yes, own-
0: you're correct it's molson Coors Sweet. purchased miller
2: they purchased miller yes so so now we think of you know like anheuser bush and basically miller Coors as being the kind of mm-hmm. the two main players in the uh like big beer at least on the state side anyway um but yeah so molson Coors owns terrapin which is a lovely like IPA brewery. Oh, yeah. Like they're really hop friendly uh, out of, I think, Athens, Georgia.
0: Yeah, you said that hop, that IPA pack. I used to love getting out of the grocery yeah. store. Hopsecutioner. Hopsecutioner. Um, Did that have...
2: Luau Crunkles. Kr- I think, was another one. Yeah. I mean, they just uh, had a lot. And that was like, I think one of the early memories I have of like really diving into, yeah, some of those like IPA or like hop craft beer packs. Whole time not knowing that the reason they were so prevalent in all the store shelves is because they were owned by a bigger company that yeah. <laughs> was paying to, or paying to have them on the shelves there. And, yeah, um, right next to their, you know,
0: which it wasn't lockers. so. Yeah, it wasn't so like. Far fetched because they're not that far. Away. I mean, Athens, Georgia is not that far. Yeah,
2: so I, I believe that it's possible, right? Yeah. And the same thing with like Wicked Weed and like Appalachian Mountain. Like you see those at Food Line and Harris Teeter all the time. Yeah, they're just across the
0: state. I mean, yeah, not very like, of far. Course, of course, they're, they're big. Gonna, yeah, but it's I guess crazy. the same
2: reason that we don't see like as much Brewery bavana here. We don't see as much like Trophy. Mm-mm. I mean, because they they're closer, but they're competing with you know the the major brands uh, who can basically get into the stores more easily because they've, um, you know, their distribution, they, they've, they've kind of like, I don't want to say paid their dues, but they, they've got the money that, uh, affords you the opportunity. So.
0: Yeah. And you know, that actually made me think uh, talking about closures and whatnot, uh, brewery, brewery, Bavana or gosh, not brew Bavana. Jeez. Bramari right. Bramari brewing. In Asheville, which was always a great place to go mm-hmm. and to get food, yeah, um, they're temporarily closed and they've laid off a bunch of people. So I don't yeah. know what's going on. I mean, this is kind of old news now, but you go on the website, they still say we're closed. Tap rooms, online store, everything. Oh, it's even just, the tap room, mm-hmm, everything. So
2: it doesn't bode well. Back in
0: January, you know, it got announced, and some of the local like Asheville newspapers were saying that you know the employees have been laid off. Uh, and now we're temporarily closed, so I don't know. They said it's going to be closed for a month, but at this point, it said that the Asheville tap room was still open and that the, the okay. Charlotte was going to be closed. But the website says that the tap rooms wow. and the online stores are closed, so I'm just curious what's going on there. Uh, not, not any big beer acquisitions, but no. goodness, sounds like they might need a bailout or something,
2: yeah. But, so, I don't know. I mean. What do you think, Elsie? Like, is there is there any value you can like find in these types of deals where breweries are either being totally bought out or like maybe partially acquired? Like in the case of Brooklyn, I'm sure there's other notable examples, but that one comes to mind. Is there any value there? Or do you think it's like, you know, we should tell them just to, you know, hands off of our craft beer? <laughs>
1: A uh, like that minority stakeholder situation, I think that's kind of mutually beneficial to both teams. So, I think if you're able to use the resources and kind of help big brewery helping the little brewery out, mm-hmm. I think then it's kind of a beneficial thing for both parties. because um, then your smaller brewery can still maintain its like independence and they're the ones making the decisions versus like turning right. it over to someone who's probably only going to be focused on profit margins and not necessarily yeah. the whole idea of craft brewing or brewing in general. Um,
0: yeah. And it's like, I, I agree to some extent. Yeah. If they need money. Uh, I, I think the the extent that I agree on is that, uh, <laughs> uh they're not losing market share. You know, they're still maintaining their market share and maybe yeah. even expanding it because they're getting those distribution networks. Usually it's not benevolence that the that the big breweries are, you know, making that equity payment for. So there's something always in return. So it just makes you wonder, I think.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. You know, like Lawrence, I think there's this idea that and you know, once you're acquired, it's you know you're
0: over done for
2: yeah because you have no like creative control really. I can't imagine in most cases um, unless it's written somewhere in a contract that you still get to make mm-hmm. decisions. But that's just never the case because if you own something hundred percent, you're not going to give autonomy mm-hmm. to some yeah person that started the brewery. You want to make those decisions and not have any like barriers to make them. What well, comes about um,
0: the stakeholders, you know, not yeah. the,
2: the the bottom line, like, yeah. as, like the profit margin, like what you know, and that's in the case here. I think with uh, platform, platform brewing in you know Ohio, they once they saw, hey, this is not doing well, like we're hemorrhaging funds, employees, employee turnover is really bad. Let's just pull the plug. Let's just hone in on these three beers that we know will sell on the shelves because people recognize the name, and the brand. We don't have as much overhead cost. It's a profit deal, right? Mm-hmm. And in most cases, I don't think that would be the route that the, you know, the brewery would have gone. Yeah. Um, they would have chosen maybe to like downsize a little bit or, um, you know, make some other decisions that maybe, or, or close down entirely to kind of maintain the integrity of the name. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do think it, there can be room for like mutually beneficial relationships, but uh, you know, it gets really hard when you start letting in the, you know, the big beer brands because their intentions may not necessarily be in the quality as much as it is the quantity output and how much money they're able to make off of your brand mm-hmm. and how much they're able to just continue. Like, like you said, taking, you know, we, we talk about like that, that sense of, uh, you know, choice. That's really, you have like an idea like, Oh, I'm, I'm choosing from different brands, but it's all kind of coming from the same two or three major corporations. And, um, and they know that. And, but it's just more about the the idea that they maintain like a wide portfolio and it looks better for them, I think. And, uh, it doesn't really, in most cases benefit the brewery and the owners because, you're getting a paycheck, but then your, your brand is essentially handed off to somebody else. Yeah. So.
1: And I mean, part of me too, like I think about with like Ben and local Oak, I'm sure he is not in it for like, Oh, I want to distribute and like get rich (laughs) off of it. It's a passion and it's a a love that he has. And I think, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of get his take on it as well as like what, what would be his thoughts on kind of big beer coming in and right. trying to take over which I think not
0: I, so local oak well yeah
1: and it, I don't know it would just like it would be a completely different experience for me if I don't
0: know yeah if you couldn't I mean it, it would be if you couldn't sit down next to the owner at yeah. the bar yeah. and have a conversation about the beer that he just yeah. spent hours making you yeah. know like and, and releasing and is excited to get it out to the to the people also, speaking of which, if you if you haven't checked out the little videos that Ben's been doing about his beers lately on Instagram, just check out Local Oak. It's, it just gives you a little backstory into the beer that you are about to about to drink from them. Yeah, but any other final comments on that before we wrap into LC's pick of the week? Yeah, I mean,
2: I th- yeah, I think it's a conversation that'll con that'll be ongoing. Yeah. I think it's been going on for years and. There's a debate whether or not, you know, this is the end for craft beer because at this point it's kind of sink or swim with the uh the big dogs, but yeah. You know, I don't think we're, we'll we'll notice anything drastic anytime soon. It's just something to think about.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
1: All right. You know what time it is?
0: LC's pick of the week.
1: <laughs> assume the positions. I do have a bottle this week. And, a bottle? Yeah, it would be very incriminating if you were to open your eyes. Is it
0: a bottle of water?
1: Yes. How did you know?
0: Oh, I don't know. Also, Nick, we were at Lidl earlier, and they had Nando's sauce. Nando's? Like Cheeky
2: Nando's? Like from actual
0: Nando's. What is that? It's like when your mate Callum, who's an absolute ledge, <laughs> says suggests that you get a... <laughs> what is that? Cheeky, Cheeky Nando's. Nando's
2: you're like, top, let's smash it. Top,
0: let's smash it.
2: <laughs> yeah, apparently that's a big deal, getting like... Nando's is essentially just drunk really... Drunk Nando's. Yeah, drunk Nando's, yeah. Cheeky is just, yeah. You cheeky. Like, oh, we shouldn't get Nando's, but... Oh, I got something tapping my arm here.
0: That's like... Hey, you
2: want to get cheeky. a Nando's? Taco Ooh, Bell. I found the bottle cap. It fell from my feet. Oh, yeah, don't look at it. <laughs> I'm not. He can oh, feel oh, the Oh, my letter. gosh, you're right. I could cheat. I All actually, right. actually remember
0: Rev up the big hey Way... Hmm. Really clean oh, smelling. Yeah, it smells malty. Yeah, malty. A complete one eighty from the last beer, but not a huge depth of smell. Maybe like a little deep malt. Maybe. Are you getting roasty, or are you just getting like caramelly?
2: Um, I'm getting more like crackery. I don't know. It's like really pale, light malt flavor like aromas. I don't.
0: Going in for a taste.
2: I kind of want really to keep going on the nose. I just can't. I can't get much depth to it. What
0: in tarnation? It's pretty cold too, so that's one factor. Maybe if I let it warm up, the smell might come better. Oh, the taste is throwing, <laughs> throwing me for a loop, though. Oops, it's got tartness, but it's not like super tart.
2: Hmm.
0: Hmm. 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 It's not super. Oh, the name of the beer is Super Tart by <laughs> Sour Brew. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, a lot darker than I expected. Yeah, is this a Belgian style? I'm wondering if it's like...
2: Yeah, because some of the Belgian... Lauren's shaking her head no. Sour, some of like Belgian sours Maybe, are... Maybe, but no.
0: Maybe, but no? What is that supposed to mean?
2: So it reminds me kind of a little bit of when we touched on the Flanders red.
0: That's, you know, what I thought, but it's not enough. You know, there's not enough, like, acetic acid. I mean, if I'm comparing it directly to, uh, gosh... Why am I like blanking on the Rodenbach? name. Rodenbach. Yeah, Rodenbach. Um, Grand Cru. Ooh, that was good stuff, man.
2: Yeah, Grand Cru was good. Um, so it has like that really strong, like amber, caramelly brown color, some reddish hues to it. It's got a really prominent, like head, like like a tan head. It smells really clean.
0: Why are you laughing at us, Lauren?
1: You'll find out.
2: (laughs)
0: It smells really clean on the nose, but like... It's got a
2: bit of a tartness in the flavor, but it's not like a sour
0: ale. It It almost has like a little double type flavor to me, but... I don't know. It's very different.
2: Hmm.
0: You're laughing at us because it's what? Not a Rodenbach? I didn't say that. Well, I was saying you're laughing because it is a Rodenbach, and you're like... (laughs) But it's not like... It doesn't have enough... Kick to it to be yeah. a real Flanders red.
2: It's not like as the if I remember the Grand Crew was like pretty tart. It was yeah in a good way um, though. Yeah, this
0: is more mild, more malt focused with just a little baby hit of yeah. Sour. But it also has
2: a lot of sweetness to it, like mm-hmm. almost some residual sugar. Like I, I feel like I'm I don't know like the mouthfeel leaves me thinking that I'm like I'm leaving this like coating of just like thick sugary uh beer i don't know but it's not overly sweet
0: is this something we've had before
1: uh nicholas has had this before yes
0: okay hmm. give it's us bigger. a hint
1: it, so i, will I think say, i'm
0: thoroughly stumped do you want to hint
1: it, well you've kind of already hinted yourself i have yeah
0: hinted myself
1: but then you steered away from it
0: flanders red
1: yeah, um, I might just have to tell you.
2: Do you want to hear
0: the wanna, news, Nick, or do you want to keep wanna guess going? What it is? Go ahead, and lay it out. Hit us with the pain.
1: So this is um, actually a collab that Dogfish Head.
0: Oh, uh, is with, this the uh, Rodenbach? King, is it Rodenbach? Rodenbach? Yes, it's so the it's the Noel. Out actually,
1: no, it's, this is called the Crimson Crew.
2: Crimson, Crimson crew, crew. That's what I was. Yeah.
0: And yeah. It
1: actually, begins with the Rodenbach Grand Crew.
0: That's why it re- is reminiscent yes. of that, but it's it doesn't mm. have the same... We were like, on the right track, though. Having had, like, four Rodenbach Grand Cru's in the past little while, this is much more malty.
1: So, what basically, they started with kind of the off-center Grand Cru and infused it with sumac and sweet orange peel, and then they dry-hopped it with Hallertau Blanc hops okay. um, to get that kind of full-bodied and slightly warming um beer and then it has aromas of the candied citrus, cherry, caramel and toffee.
0: That's what it is. The cherry and the toffee mm-hmm. and those like sweet flavors really mellow out the acetic vinegar flavor. Okay, sorry, yeah. keep going.
1: <laughs> Complemented by the malty flavors of mm-hmm. your stewed fruits, plum, cherry, dried citrus and toffee.
0: Yeah, so that's why we were so jacked up because you gave us yeah. a Christmas beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: think it's necessarily christmas
0: crimson grew mm. christmas I, no crimson
2: i okay, remember seeing uh, that is such an interesting though like it makes sense and it's easy to say that now because we've already seen it but uh yeah jack brown had that
1: yes mm. he um, did in january
0: so yeah it's got a christmas tree on it no it doesn't is that not
1: no
2: uh, maybe not so we get that like that kind of kindling of the Flanders red, but it doesn't have the full depth of it. It kind of actually then takes a bit of a turn towards toffee, malty, Mm -hmm. cherry, sweet, um, which is really interesting contrast because the Flanders red. Yes, it is malty. It's a malt forward beer, but it's, like such a natural tartness from the process of making a Flanders and you're getting you know all those like that all that fermentation when well, they're in the Yeah, it's like that vinegar
0: like acetic acid, yeah. you know, red it's like wine. T- Tangy tany- yeah. tart too. This one and has This less, is like a starter Flanders yeah. red, basically. I think it's, it's like, more approachable, I think, yeah. for somebody
2: that maybe might be turned off by that uh like the Oh
1: I should the try Grand it, Crew. Actually. I, I, I will say it, that
0: was not my favorite Well that's why we're getting hints Like we were hinted along the path And I think that's why we're so confused Because it's like a blend of beers Wow
2: well, like,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm okay being Yeah I'm okay not that knowing we were... that But we still were like tastes like Rödenbach Grand Cru I know Cruel, that's what I was but... re- I was like dying every- I was
1: like oh does it? Oh,
0: okay. oh, the whole time oh, I God. had this but it's
1: not that. <laughs>
2: dogfish head cap in my hand.
0: Oh gosh, yeah, I, I couldn't look at it though. That's that would funny, be dishonest. But uh. leave it to dogfish fish, fish yeah. head to to you know trip us up. Yeah,
2: uh, Mom. They always have some really interesting collabs. Um, whenever they do a collab, it's always pretty, pretty like just notable. I would yeah. say. Um, I also want them to kind of bring back their. Uh, I think they brought back the King Midas. Mm. Midas uh, touch. Midas touch. Yeah, it was. Um, not distributed widely, but it was, like, locally you could what get
1: style it. style
2: of beer is that? Historical it's, beer. Yeah it's, like a, yeah,
0: it's, like, basically... Oh, gosh, you don't know the story? I guess all the beer books that i read. Like, he worked with a professor uh, who studied, like, you know, ancient civilizations. And they did, like, sample analysis of, like, brewing pots from... You know, way, way, way back. Like King Midas' tomb. Yeah, from King Midas' tomb. And then they like recreated a beer kind of based off of what ingredients would have been used in that. Yeah.
2: And it was like a really big wave in the craft beer scene. And obviously, for many reasons, it's just not distributed all the time. Mm -hmm. And so they paused it for a while. And I think last year they had brought it back. Um, Sadly, apparently, I had tried this in 2019. I don't have much more detail about when I had this, but my check in was November 2019. The serving style was a Crowler. I don't know where I got it. Dang, yeah. Where'd you get a Crowler? So I went somewhere where they served a Crowler of this. I gave it a 375, but yeah, apparently the, the Midas Touch is just, it, it might be more of a, like a, uh gimmicky thing I, I don't say gimmicky that's kind of downplaying it but
0: but it's just like a one of the you know like dogfish's classic like let's go to the extreme of brewing you know they had several of those 120 minute IPA minute, yeah <laughs> let's just yeah you know. or their what was their huge beer that they used to have remember they would have a battle back and forth with uh Boston Beer Co for like high gravity beers oh um yeah
2: that's that'd be a good trip we should go up to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Go to Dogfish Head.
0: Some Utopias, day. I think, was theirs. Mm. Or was that Boston Beer? I can't remember. But anyway, they they were in like back and forth battle. But yeah, uh, you know, interesting beer. Nice pick. Good job. You're welcome. Stumping You're welcome. us. Uh, well, what did you guys learn today, Lauren? We'll start with you.
1: I think it, I I learned a lot. Um most notably that you guys can really talk yourselves out of something
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're pretty good at that yeah like, we're sucking oh, i think yeah. we're sucking ourselves so much on the lc well the fig. thing
0: is like we're, we know what that grand crew tastes like and you're like it's reminiscent of that but it's not that so like that's why we steered away and we thought that it was like had to be a style but no it's like some crazy collab thing but we are pretty good especially me talking myself out of something
1: yeah
0: goodness what do you think you learned, Nick?
2: Yeah, so um, this is kind of unfair because we talked about this off air or off the hot mic, but um, I learned about like some of the tactics with big beer and whether or not they're malevolent or not, that's to be determined, but um, with sort of taking share of the shelves at like stores mm. and craft beer shops, um, what they're effectively doing is they're buying the rice to a premium product which is a i saw this video from a craft beer reviews website or a craft beer reviews youtube channel um they they essentially are like getting into the market by having a premium product now on the shelves but because of their size and their financial ability and um you know this the scope of their company they're able to drive the price down on their product mm-hmm. which then makes it difficult for the independent craft breweries to sell theirs yeah um and so then it kind of creates this like wage war or, like price war of products and it makes it hard for independent breweries to stay afloat because if they want to keep their stuff on the shelves and compete with their counterparts um they kind of have to go with what the the big beer brands are putting on their price tags and yeah it becomes kind of a kind of a pissing match but it really is just like who's going to break, and you can stand firm and sell yourself at a price you think is fair, but you may uh, suffer as a result when your competitors are bought out by Big Beer and their prices are much lower as a result. So, yeah.
0: You know, I think that's actually something that Paul Philippon touched on as well in our interview with him, so check that episode out. That was a good one. Uh, he talked oh, yeah. about that, that yeah. dilutional effect where... You know, you you basically erode the premium product market by lowering yeah. the price of perceived premium products, which I guess they're still, you know, premium mm. products, but they just have the distribution channels and all that stuff, and they can lower it. And then his perspective was, well, I can only cut the cost of my beer so much. Because you're, you're paying for all the overhead mm.
2: stuff that these other brands are no longer doing yeah. because they've been purchased by larger counterparts. So. Which even
0: so, Duck Rabbit, I mean, is usually if you find duck rabbit on the shelves, it's not expensive beer. Like it's not, you know, you're not paying $14 or sixteen dollars for a four pack or something like it's very fairly priced. And if he's saying like, you know, that it's tough for us to do that, then you kind of get the idea of of what can happen. So very cool. Uh, what I learned, I think I learned that there was a lot more, uh, you know, buyouts than just the standard, Hey, we're going to buy your brewery. You know, the, the, Craft beer collective thing, I think, was definitely a learning point for me for this episode. But, yeah. All more right. More than you think. Yeah, exactly. So, with that, we're wrapping up episode number 51. Check us out on social media Instagram at East Carolina Beer, on Twitter at East Beer, Facebook, East Carolina Beer and Brewing. Hit us up on Gmail, East Carolina Beer at Gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website, East Carolina Beer.com. If you ever want to. Just chat, you know. Share the share the podcast. Share with friends. Give it five star reviews. You know, just you know, do whatever. Support us. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you in episode fifty two. Cheers. Cheers.